Now, how many love Jason? He's awesome. I think in a few weeks you'll start seeing Kaylee back up there and uh, some, some pretty cool uh, things. But uh, man, didn't Brady do amazing on piano today? First time uh, on the stage at Upper Room, so we welcome a new bandy into the uh, Upper Room worship team. So super cool to have you there. And uh, how many love Corey? Golly. Man, as, as we were, as we were um, having some of those encounters and just that, uh, that time, I just began to reminisce and like the Lord just began to pop encounters and previous uh, experiences in my head. And uh, man, some very powerful time. I need to dismiss kids, don't I? I forgot about that. All right, kids, you're dismissed. Fifth grade and under, you're dismissed. Um, younger kids go to the left and get checked in by an adult. Older kids go to the right. I don't know the age cutoff. Somebody should probably tell me that. So, first through fifth, to the right. Kindergarten and under, to the left. There we go. Uh, if you like Corey, he'll be speaking next week, and uh, I assume he'll be bringing the fire again, because he's just a fiery, passionate dude. Uh, the cool thing is we had coffee this week, and man, the honor and the humility he walks in is just incredible. He's like, how can I serve you? How can I, how can I um, lift you up? How can I, uh, you know, be like an Aaron to Moses and just, just lift your hands up, and how can I do this and serve you well? And, I'm like, man, what, what an incredible, humble, honoring person and man of God. So excited to hear what he has next week. Uh, is that next week? No, 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 two weeks, two weeks. I'm speaking next week. You're stuck with me one more week after this. Then the following week, he'll be speaking. I'll be watching online because I will hopefully be getting a sunburn in Florida. So uh, at any rate, we're in a three-week uh, part right now. I'm in part two of three weeks, uh, Holy Spirit. So last week is Holy Spirit in you. Today is Holy Spirit upon you, Pentecost Sunday, and next week will be Holy Spirit through you. So um, we are not shy about um, speaking on and inviting Holy Spirit with us, all right? It is the uh, third of the Godhead, so we're not going to diminish or just leave out or, or avoid out of maybe not knowing or not being comfortable or familiar with. Uh, so we're a church that believes in the Father and Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So we're going to open up an invitation that Holy Spirit is with us. Holy Spirit is a person, all right? Not this mystical, far-off, uh, kooky, weird thing, all right? He is um, the third part of the Godhead. So we are absolutely obsessed and possessed by Holy Spirit. So how many are thankful for that? So today, on Pentecost Sunday, I want to just kind of dive into this. And um, Pentecost uh, was actually an annual Jewish festival, and it was a celebration of the first buds of harvest, all right? And, and basically, there were three Jewish celebrations that, by law, the Jewish men had to go to three times a year to Jerusalem to celebrate. The first one was Passover. Passover happened in, in the spring. Fifty days later, Pentecost or Pentecost day, 50, or seven weeks plus one day, is Pentecost. So 50 days later, so first is the Passover. They would plant the harvest, plant the seeds, and now they're coming to celebrate those first buds. It was also referred to um, as the festival of harvest or the day of first fruits. All right, then the third one was called shelters, and that was at harvest time in the fall. These were the three celebrations or festivals that Jewish men were required to go to Jerusalem 
Well, today we're going to confront one uh, of those days. And one time when this occurred, it was just shortly after Jesus' uh, death and resurrection. So for 40 days, the disciples and the apostles had been spending time and encountering Jesus after his resurrection. So, and, and, and so then this happened, the day of Pentecost happened 50 days from Passover. So this meant that these, these, these people, about 120, and we'll get into it here in a minute, spent about 10 days waiting upon the Lord and waiting for his promise. And, and we get a little antsy if we're at church two hours. They locked themselves in a room for 10 days waiting on the promise and the fulfillment of Holy Spirit. So that's really what we're going to get into today, that the Holy Spirit in you is for you. Upon salvation, upon asking for the forgiveness of sin, inviting Jesus to live in you, to forgive you, accepting the free gift of salvation through the way of the cross and resurrection, all of a sudden the Holy Spirit lives in you. That's for you. Then there's this promise that we're going to talk about today that's the Holy Spirit upon you, and that's really for others. The Holy Spirit in you is for you. The Holy Spirit upon you is oftentimes for others. So we're going to go into this, and we're going to go into Acts 1. Is it okay if I read a lot of scripture today? I think that was kind of liked last week. We read almost a whole chapter. We're going to do a whole chapter plus some today. So if you have your physical Bibles, we're going to be hanging out in Acts 1 in the full chapter of Acts 2. Or if you're in version or some other way of reading an electronic Bible, go to Acts 1. And I'll personally be reading from NLT on this long section here. Because it's just my best study Bible I have. And... You know when you get a Bible and you start writing the notes and highlighting and, and jotting things down? It's like, even though you may find a different version that you like, I like ESV, I like some others, and uh, the Passion Translation, but man, this is like my go-to. I was like, man, what, what, what in the past? What has the Lord shown me in the past? So this is my go-to for, for the most part. All right, so Acts 1. Here we go. It says, in my first book, I told you, Theophilus, about everything Jesus began to do and teach. Until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving his chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit. During the 40 days after he suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time. And he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. Now, isn't that cool? Like, in many ways. Like, how? Have you ever thought about that verse? Like, we don't get to read all about it. But in many ways, he proved to them that he was alive for 40 days. It's cool stuff. And he talked to them about the kingdom of God. Verse 4, once, he, once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you in the gift he promised as he told you before. John baptized with water, but in just a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Everybody say, baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? He replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit, what? Comes upon you. Everybody say power. power. You guys remember the hour of power? The hour of power, right? You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will receive power, and there will be such a transformation in your life that the people around you locally will see that, the people nationally will see that, and even people internationally will see that there's a difference of something in you and upon you that leads to other transformations. 
Let's go on. After saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching, and they could no longer see him. I mean, I mean for anybody to ever say that the Bible is boring, they're boring. Elisha, look, watching Elijah be taken up in a whirlwind of fire. These apostles, seeing a guy that was just crucified, raised from the dead, around 40 days later, all of a sudden he goes up in a cloud until they can't see him anymore. You can't make this stuff up. As they strained to see him rising into heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven. But someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. I'm, I'm going to skip several verses here. Here's what happens. They go to the upper room. They go meet. There's about 120 of them. They decide to take the re pick the replacement for Judas, the next disciple. And then we get to chapter 2. All right, so there's 120. Again, they've been there for about 10 days. If you do the math, it's 50 days from Passover to the day of Pentecost, and they had seen him after and roamed with him for about 40 days. All right, so now we're here 10 days later. On the day of Pentecost, all of the believers were meeting together in one place. Or some versions say they were in one mind and one accord. Okay? Now, I want to I dwell on this separately for just a minute. I believe there's such importance to gather together. When Jesus told them to go and gather together because he was promising the fulfillment of his Holy Spirit to be poured out onto all flesh, right? And we're going to get into that. And, and then they reference Joel 2. So here's what happens. He's not changed his message. He is still telling believers to gather together and wait and just see what I do week to week, house to house, in the temple, right? So he's commanding us to gather together. Paul says it like this in Hebrews 10, 25. He says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as in the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day, the Lord's return approaching. He's saying, don't forsake the, 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 the process of gathering together. We are gathering together. You who made it today, or maybe even watching online, you are gathering together. It's not quite the same online. But for whatever reason and, and the benefits that we have, we're thankful for that. But there is something powerful about being in this moment, being in a corporate body, being in a family, and gathering at this table. Let me just say, God has a plan each and every week for the people that are planned to be here. And there is a personal benefit and there is a corporate benefit. And you may be able to catch the personal benefit online or through the week or elsewhere, but there is something you will miss out on a corporate benefit, a corporate blessing when you're not here. Let me just say this, you don't just come here for you. There are people that need you and need that encouraging word that you had for them, that prayer, that smile, that hug, that handshake. And when you miss that, you're missing something and we're missing you. Do not forsake the gathering together. So they were together in one mind and one accord. Imagine if the disciples, the apostles, and the 120 did not listen to this command. What would have happened? How would he poured out his spirit? It certainly would have looked different. What if one of them wasn't there? I don't want to miss it. I don't want to miss the plan that God has for me. And I'm not, I'm not saying you have to come every week. And if you're not, God won't love you anymore. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying I look so forward to what's going to happen in worship service. I look so forward to what's going to happen during transition. I look so forward to what the message is going to be, whether it's for me or somebody else. I look so forward to seeing my brothers and sisters. When we, when we had online virtual church and I became a televangelist for about six or seven weeks a year ago, I didn't like it. 
It got really easy, and we were joking around. I'd always joke around with Josh. I'd be like, man, church would be super easy, and ministry would be easy if no people were involved. He's like, yeah, but there's no point. And last year, we got to experience that. There was like, really? It would get 20 of us of key, key uh, people involved in the service here, and we get done and be like, all right, well, that's a wrap. See you next week. Get your mask on. No, just kidding. We were meant to gather together. And let me, let me just tell you what happens when people and folks gather together and the Lord's promises are fulfilled. Going into verse, uh, towards verse two. Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven like a roaring of a mighty windstorm or rushing wind, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames of tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues. And as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability, now, now I grew up King James Version, so you might every once in a while hear me say Holy Ghost, all right? We're talking about the same person, Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost. We good with that? You King James people, I'm not offending you, am I? Okay, so every once in a while, I'll just throw you a nugget and just say Holy Ghost, okay? So you feel comfortable in your Pentecostal roots, because I'm about to go Pentecostal by the end here, all right? Sometimes you might feel some Baptist here, some Methodist here, some Nazarene, but by the end, you're probably going to feel a little Pentecostal today. You can't not talk about the day of Pentecost and be a little Pentecostal. I grew up Pentecostal, very proud of my heritage. At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running, and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. They were completely amazed. The Holy Spirit gives this gift and this phenomenon and this expression of who he is, and it led people to be amazed. And it says, how can this be, they explain. These people are all from Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking in our own native language. Here we are, Parthians, Metis, Elamites, people from all these other places. <laughs> Just for the sake of me embarrassing myself, you read that one on your own and tell me how to pronounce them. In the areas of Libya, around Serene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, and we all hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. The Holy Spirit was expressing the goodness of God. They stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean, they asked each other, but others in the crowd ridiculed them, saying, they gotta be drunk. There's no other explanation. These people are drunk. Let me just tell you, they weren't drunk. They were in a Holy Ghost party. And it's okay that a church can look like a party now and again. It's okay that you can smile and laugh and have fun at church, okay? Maybe even look a little tipsy. Maybe even fall out now and again. Maybe even not even be able to withstand his presence because it's so strong we can't even stand anymore. After Peter, here, here we go, after Peter preaches... Then Peter, I, wanna, I, wanna, I want to speak and I want to read. I don't read this often when, 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 when preaching on this topic. I don't often read his message that he preached. I feel it's fitting today based on the message last week and where we're going because he preaches about Jesus. And I want, to, I want you to see the fruit of what happens when we walk in Holy Spirit, when we allow him to reveal himself in power and we preach the kingdom of God in Jesus says this, then Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd, listen carefully, all of you. 
fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem, make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk. It's only nine in the morning. It's too early to be drunk. No, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. And he reads and references the prophet Joel from chapter two. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on my servants, men and women alike. And I will cause wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below. How many love signs, wonders, and miracles? Those are products and fruit of the Holy Spirit. And sometimes it's signs that you can't explain. They're just signs that make you wonder. Blood and fire and clouds of smoke. Then the sun will become dark and the moon will turn blood red before that great and glorious day of the Lord's arrival. I did some research on the blood moons. Did you know we didn't have one for almost 500 years? Between somewhere around 1,500-ish to 1,900-ish I, I took a picture, meant to add in the notes and forgot. There was 500 years, four to 500 years without a blood moon. And now we've had more blood moons in the last few years and more predicted by 2033 than 2,000 years prior. I'm not trying to get you scared. I'm not trying to scare the hell out of you. I'm trying to get the love of the Father in you, okay? I'm not, this isn't that message. What I'm saying is I don't know the day or the hour. It says, no man knows the day or the hour. But I know this, we are closer to the Lord's return today than we were yesterday. We can't predict it. All I'm saying is there are signs that are obvious that are mentioned in the Bible that are becoming more repetitive than we've ever seen before. There are more wars and rumors of wars. There are earthquakes and fires that clear the earth, right? And I could go through Revelation and go through so many that we are pointing in the direction of God's return. We don't know when. But it says this, but everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. People of Israel, listen, God publicly endorsed Jesus of Nazarene by doing powerful miracles, wonders, and signs through him, as you well know. Did you know he's now endorsing us to do powerful signs, wonders, and miracles? Through the same spirit, like I read last week, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us. But God knew what would happen, and his prearranged plan was carried out when Jesus was betrayed. With the help of the lawless Gentiles, you nailed him to a cross and killed him, but God released him from the horrors of death and raised him back to life, for death could not keep him in its grip. King David said this about him, I see that the Lord God is with me. I will not be shaken, for he is right beside me. No wonder my heart is glad, my tongue shouts his praise, my body rests in hope, for you will not leave my soul among the dead or allow the Holy One to rot in the grave. Oh man, Jesus conquered death, hell, and the grave. You have shown me the way of life and you will fill me with the joy of your presence. You will fill me. Everybody say, I want filled up. I want overfilled. I don't think that's proper grammar, but we're going with it today. Dear brothers, think about this. You can be sure that the patriarch David wasn't referring to himself for he died and was buried on his tomb and is still among us. But he was a prophet and he knew God had promised with an oath that one of David's own descendants would sit on his throne. David was looking into the future and speaking of the Messiah's resurrection. He was saying that God would not leave him among the dead or allow his body to rot in the grave. God raised Jesus from the dead and we are witnesses of this. Now he is exalted to the place of highest honor in heaven at God's right hand. I love this part. 
And the Father, as he had promised, gave him the Holy Spirit to pour out upon us. Peter's saying he gave his spirit to be poured out upon us as just as you see and hear today. For David himself never ascended into heaven, yet he said, the Lord said to my Lord, sit in the place of honor at my right hand until I humble your enemies, making them a footstool under your feet. <laughs> Everybody just do this with your feet. Yeah, enemies, be crushed. There's another verse in this Bible that says, crush Satan under your feet. We have a lot of bugs in our house for whatever. We got ants, like big ants this year. And last night, Handassa comes in our bedroom. She's like, there's a big ant. I was like, smash it. She's like, doing one of these. She's like, don't smash it, daddy. <laughs> it's my enemy. Answer, well. All right. Peter's words pierced their hearts, and they said to him and to the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? Peter replied to uh, Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins. We talked about that last week. Repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. How many are absolutely excited about the promise of the gift of the Holy Ghost? This promise is to you, to your children, and to those far away, all who have been called by the Lord our God. Then Peter continued preaching for a long time. You might think by now I'm preaching a long time, but let me just say, Peter, it says for a long time. If they reference long time, when one time Paul was preaching and a dude fell asleep and fell out a window, it was probably much longer than I'm going to preach today. Strongly urging all the listeners, save yourselves from this crooked generation. How many does it feel like, again, we're in a crooked nation, a crooked generation? But God... And suddenly, the mountains will shake, right? This consuming fire will happen and an entire nation will be saved. Isaiah 64, amen? Those who believe what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. We think we've got to have these special programs and these special effects and all of these special things, right? Let me just say, if we just preach Jesus and operate in the power of the Holy Spirit, 3,000 were added in a day. Not opposed to those things. Not opposed to, to better sound and, and things that enhance our experience with Christ. But we don't need it. Jesus don't need it. I want to go on, and we're almost done, okay? Not with the message, just with this chapter. Let me clarify that. I've not even started my first closing yet. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders, and all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared their money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day and met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and what? Generosity. All the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. That's what I call a Holy Ghost revival. Let me just say, if our land and our church, even just right here in Tip City, begins to experience and walk in a Holy Ghost revival, your schools will never look the same, young people. Your workplaces will never look the same. Your, 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 your hospital that you work at will never look the same. This classroom that you teach in will never look the same. That industry that you work at, that real estate that you sell will never look the same if we experience a Holy Ghost revival. Let me just say, the fruit of a Holy Ghost revival was they were in unity. 
that they were attracted and believers would be added to them daily, that they were in generosity and joy, they were sharing meals, they were meeting the needs of the community and those who were in need. They sold everything for the sake of Jesus and coming together. We squawk at tithing 10%. They sold it all. I'm not asking for all of your finances today, all right? Take a chill pill. I'm not going to go there. But here's the deal. There's fruits of evidence of the Holy Spirit. And, and I know Paul often used the first evidence of the infilling and the Holy Spirit upon you as speaking in tongues. But then there are other evidences called love, called the gifts of the Spirit, called joy, called hope. Right? These are things that, that are the fruits and, and that bear witness with others when we know we're filled with the Holy Spirit. You can come in here on Sunday and speak in tongues, but if you're talking disrespectfully to your wife that night, shame on you. The Holy Spirit should be so powerful in you, it's not just a Sunday morning tongue-talking session. It's not just this prophetic word this day or, or seeing this healing this day. No, it is an edified, glorious life of righteousness and pursuing Christ daily and becoming like him. Let me, let me get to the message here. On the day of Pentecost, all of a sudden these, these salvations were added. And I love that Pentecost was also called the festival of harvest or the day of first fruits. The salvations, the 3,000 that were added there daily were a seed of the harvest of the billion soul harvest that we're wanting right now. That was, a, that was a seed harvest. That was a first fruit with the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. All of a sudden, now we get that same invitation to be a seed to those around us. And our first buds all of a sudden start to grow and we get to bear fruit to the people around us. Let me move on here. 1 Corinthians 14. I, I want to, because we're going to offer you the invitation to ask for the baptism of the Holy Spirit today. We're going to offer you an invitation that you ask for the infilling of the Holy Ghost today. And, um, and, and I believe there's going to be an experience here today. I believe we've already tasted and seen some of it. I believe we've already tasted and seen some of how good God is and, and the consuming fire that he is. And I think some, so many churches and so many denominations and television things have made some of this stuff really weird. You know prayer was never meant to be weird? It's communion with the Lord. Prophecy was never meant to be weird. And let me just say this, prophecy was also never meant to be manipulative and allow me to gain something so that I can get something from you. It was never meant for a TV show to turn into selling prayer cloths or anointing oil. Or sowing a seed of $10,000 and you'll get this blessing. That was never what prophecy was meant to be. That's not the heart of the Father. The heart of the Father's prophecy is revealing something in you you may not be seeing in yourself. Or seeing in a situation or seeing in a circumstance. Same thing with the gifts of the Spirit. They were never meant to be weird. Jesus became the perfect example of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Jesus became the perfect example for signs, wonders, and miracles. Jesus became perfect theology when he's raising the dead and letting blind eyes see and deaf ears open. And all of a sudden, here's the first church expression since Christ's death, and it's the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and it's, it's with signs, wonders, miracles, and power. It was never meant to be weird. And there is a difference between tongues of edification and tongues of exhortation. And I want to just confront what Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians 14. You can read this on your own. But through that, and even in the, the second verse and the 14th verse, it talks about the differences of tongues. And even if you go early in that chapter, he says, seek after all the gifts. And then he's talking about the when you're in a public place and in your setting like this, it's better to prophesy and speak words that people understand than to pray in a prayer language that they don't understand. 
But he's saying, I do both. I pray with not understanding that only God understands, but then I also pray with an, an understanding. I sing in tongues and I also sing in, in, in English or in our own language, right? He's saying these things and he's saying, do both. And he's like, I speak in tongues more than any of you. I'm really paraphrasing 1 Corinthians 14 and Paul's clarity on the gift of tongues of personal edification and the gift of tongues for corporate exhortation. The exhortation needs interpretation. And there is a spiritual gift called the interpretation of tongues because when tongues are broadcasted to an audience, they need interpreted. When tongues are projected to God and it's a prayer language or it's a song of worship to the Lord, does he need your interpretation for that? According to Paul, he understands it and only God understands it. The people around you won't understand it and the enemy doesn't even understand it. It's this tool, it's this, it's this gift that we get that's a language of heaven only to the Lord. So I want to be very clear that oftentimes when there was an infilling of the Holy Spirit or baptism of the Holy Spirit, Paul would often evidence the initial speaking of tongues. In Acts 2, you see it. In Acts 9 and Acts 15, you see this throughout history of this initial evidence. But we ha can't be confused and judge and say, well, that needs interpreted. No, I, it was to the Lord. Now, in worship, you may hear that in our midst. You may hear tongues going up in song to the Lord. You may hear a prayer language. And unless somebody takes a mic or somehow publicly displays it to others, God does not need your interpretation of what he's hearing from that heart. It's just becoming a little clear. Sometimes we get wrapped up like, well, tongues, all tongues need interpreted. No, Paul makes it very clear that not all tongues need interpreted. Tongues to him do not. Tongues to people do. And that is a beautiful gift. One time we were at a conference. I'm way behind time. I got, I got two-minute warning here. I'm not going to get there in two minutes. I'm just going to tell you that right now. One time we were at this conference. It was actually a youth camp, and we had a prayer tunnel or a fire tunnel. Uh, you charismatic people know what I'm talking about. We're about to bring them back. COVID's gone. No. Can't say certain things. COVID has diminished. So we're bringing back prayer tunnels and more laying on of hands and all fun stuff. We actually really... Can't publicly say that. Mute the videos. We never got rid of it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> All right, so here's the deal. We, were, we had this prayer line, this prayer tunnel, and these, these people were coming through, through, and tons of people. And all of a sudden, these Hispanic men came through. And they didn't speak any English. They were interpreting the service. There was a whole um, headsets and different things. It was a ch our, our covenant church, our friend church in Indiana. Nicole all of a sudden starts speaking fluent Spanish and begins ministering to this man and laying hands on him. And, and all of a sudden, he understands everything she's saying. To this day, we don't know what she said. But all of a sudden, he just broke. And I know enough Spanish to know she was speaking in Spanish, but not knowing what she was saying. It was this beautiful thing that that was to that person in his own language, similar to some of this here. Now, it's speculated that there were 120 people here in multiple languages beyond the ones they comprehended. There's heavenly languages that sometimes are for the people and sometimes are for the Lord. Sometimes they're for me. Sometimes they're tongues of intercession, that, that murmurings and utterances that we can't understand. I'm quoting scripture through the process of this. So we get to Matthew 3.11, but first I want to say water baptism, you baptize by a preacher or, or an anointed or, or, or ordained person or a leader or somebody of influence into water, publicly identify you with Jesus for the forgiveness of sins. 
Spirit baptism, you're baptized by Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And Matthew 3.11 says it like this. And this is for the purpose that you can receive power to be witnesses for Jesus. Matthew 3.11 says, I baptize you with water for repentance. This is John saying, I baptize you in water for repentance. But after me comes one who is more powerful than I and whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with Holy Spirit and what? Fire. Ephesians 5.18 says this, because there's also this concept of an infilling, all right? Let me just tell you this. Once you receive the Holy Spirit, you get this continual journey in life with the Lord until he calls you home, upgrades you to heaven, or returns, right? So all of a sudden, like there's this thing to say, well, well, I experienced it once, I'm good. No, he wants you to experience his presence, his love, his joy, his hope every day, just like the Holy Spirit. He wants to fill you up continually, so when you talk about the infilling of the Holy Spirit, it's not one and done. Listen, there is fresh manna every day, baby. And it never rots. It never gets gross. It never goes, goes bad with his new wine, with his new covenant, with his bread being the bread of life. Amen? So we go to Ephesians 5.18. It says, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. How many agree with that? Don't be drunk. That's stupid. It'll ruin your life. Instead, be filled. It's a continual. The context of that word is translated a continual filling with the Holy Spirit. The, the, e, the original Greek word is actually even a present tense and a continual to now. Continually being filled with the Holy Spirit. So, 1 Corinthians, the band can come. 1 Corinthians, first closing. 12, 31 says this. But you should be eager for the greater gifts. And now I will show you a way that is beyond comparison. Paul, even in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1 says, Follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts and of the Spirit. Now let me just tell you the interpretation of that. Earnestly seek after and yearn with your every being for every spiritual gift. That's, that's what this really meant was seek after all of them. I don't want to just stop at, at the gift of prophecy. I don't want to just stop at the gift of healing or the gift of faith or the gift of wisdom. I want them all. How many else want the fullness of Christ, the fullness of his spirit? And I believe they're for all of us. I believe all the gifts are for all of us. Now, now some may walk more powerfully than others, and, and there, there are the gifts, then there are the anointings, and then there are the offices. Okay? I believe we can all heal. I believe we can all heal through Christ. I believe we can all pray and God will heal people. I believe then there's a gift of healing where somebody may, may have a divine gift of healing where literally they pray for people all the time. They're healed, 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 healed. Then there's an office, and sometimes there's an office of evangelists, let's say, who will operate in that constantly. It's kind of the thing of like, we can all do it. Some are better at it or more anointed for it, but then there's some that even can teach it. It's kind of got thing from son to father to grandfather. But this thing, this invitation for the Holy Spirit, as Paul, as, as, as Acts says, I'm sorry, as Acts says and even references the prophet Joel, Peter's referencing this and says, it's for all flesh. It's for all of us. And I don't know about you, but I'm kind of charged and hungry for this invitation of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, for an infilling of Holy Spirit, and for a revival of the Holy Ghost. A Holy Ghost revival. How many want this? Just stand with me. Stand up. There's a couple things that are, that are just kind of practical.
I almost did it actually. It was only four minutes past that too. Those of you who are good at math, that's six minutes, not bad. Now here's the deal. There's some practical things. First off, we can't put the cart before the horse. Many of us, we want to operate in the signs, the wonders, the miracles. We want, to, we want the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Well, the gifts of the Holy Spirit are only from the Holy Spirit. So the first thing is, you got to ask Jesus to be Savior of your life and invite Holy Spirit into your heart. You can't manifest these things from the Holy Spirit if you don't have Holy Spirit. So the first thing is, we gotta start with repentance, just like Peter said, and we gotta start with an invitation that, of Jesus conquering death, hell, and the grave, resurrecting his blood, paying a price for my sins, inviting him to live and take precedence in my life and in my heart. Then all of a sudden, then we, we want these things. So, so then when we say, okay, I, I, I'm saved, I have Holy Spirit living in me, I want Holy Spirit upon me. All right, we're gonna ask for an infilling. And sometimes when the infilling happens, it's so powerful and so strong and so mighty, we may not be able to stand on our own. We may be losing, how many wanna lose control of ourselves and allow God to gain control in us? Yes. Sometimes you may see things. Every once in a while, when I start to feel the presence of God, my hand will shake. All of a sudden, I'll start to just feel things. Like Corey says, how many feel Holy Spirit right now? He is tangible. He is not a mystical, spooky ghost that's only October 31st a year. He is a living being that wants us to walk with him and feel and, and, and be just absolutely filled up with him. So then if we're asking for that, at times we, we need to begin to step out and say, okay, I'm asking. And just as John 14, 13 through 14 says, whatever you ask in my name that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son, if you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. How many know that we have proven today that the Holy Spirit upon us, the Holy Spirit with power, will prove to others and make the Lord and Jesus glorified? So we're asking within that context, he'll do anything we ask for. So if we're asking for a gift of the Holy Spirit, if we're asking for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, if we're asking for an infilling of the Holy Spirit, once we have Holy Spirit in us, now he wants to fill us to the point of overflow. And like Paul says, a lot of times the initial evidence is speaking in another language. In order to speak in another language, you actually have to open your mouth and speak. It's not another language if you stay silent. Now again, this is not weird. Our culture, religion, at times have made some of this stuff weird. Let me just say this. How many in here have heard of Reinhard Bunke? Missionary to Africa. He was German, missionary from Africa, just passed away a couple years ago. He led more people to Jesus and the gift of salvation than any missionary or evangelist in our lifetime and ever probably since, since biblical times. Millions and millions and millions, hundreds of millions of people to the Lord. We were at a conference once and we took our youth group. There's probably 50 kids there. And all of a sudden he's speaking. He's like, I told the Lord I would speak on the baptism of Holy Spirit. So he's speaking on this and simply he just offers an invitation. How many today? He speaks some message that was kind of unrelated to the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And at the end he's like, how many would like to receive the baptism of Holy Spirit? And a few, few he's like, just stand. Because everybody was sitting on, floor, on the floor at the ramp. Were you there this year when Reinhard Bunke was there? So... Few people stood. Autumn, you were there, right? Shaking your head. I know Heath and Destiny. So many in here were there. Seven, eight kids stood up and in our youth group. And he's like, okay, I'm just going to pray this prayer. Just say, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, fill me. Fill me. 
just very gentle and kind. And all of a sudden, the entire room and everybody standing, I think almost 100% received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, was speaking in an unknown language. It was not laying on hands. It was not begging and pleading and, and tarrying for this thing. Ah, I'm not worthy. Let me clarify too. The gifts of the Spirit are not uh, a superiority. It is not a sign of salvation. If Jesus Christ is living in you and Holy Spirit's in you, you are saved and set free. You are not less than. But there is a fullness that's offered to those who want it. And there is a Holy Spirit empowerment and an infilling to those who ask for it and want it and desire it. And as Paul says, desire after everything. So if you want this right now, just, just raise your hand right now. I'm just gonna lead you into a corporate prayer for now. Just raise your hand. If you want the infilling of the Holy Spirit, maybe a fresh infilling, maybe you want it for the first time, just raise your hand. It can even be like one of these hands if you don't feel confident right now. Just one of these hands. We're just gonna say the prayer similar to what Reinhard Bunke did. We're gonna just allow the Holy Spirit to move for a moment, then we're gonna call up our prayer teams, and we're gonna ask anybody who wants further prayer or to go a little deeper, or maybe you didn't experience what you want yet, we're gonna have our prayer teams pray for you. So just say this, Holy Spirit, fill me. Just close your eyes and lift up your hands. Holy Spirit, fill me to the point of overflow. Baptize me in your spirit. Baptize me in your spirit. Wind of God blow through here. Wind of God blow into my heart. Okay, keep your hands up, even if they're just a little up. I'm gonna corporately pray for you. Just keep your eyes closed. Holy Spirit, we ask that you come right now. Come with fire. Come with the baptism of your spirit, like, like the day of Pentecost at the upper room, Lord. This is a day of Pentecost in an upper room. And we ask for a fresh fire today, a fresh wind, a Ruach breath of your life, Jesus. Holy Spirit, come. Let us feel you. Let us feel your presence. Come, Holy Spirit. Just, as you begin to feel something change, as you begin to feel something different, just let that voice out. You may begin to feel something well up in your chest or your belly. Just begin to let out. Those of you who have a prayer language, begin to utilize that right now. Begin to sing in a language unto the Lord. Jesus, we love you. Holy Spirit, blow through this place. Fresh wind, fresh fire, Jesus. Holy Spirit, come. Come. There's fresh fire. He's baptizing in spirit and fire right now. There's fire. Some of you are feeling fire in your hands right now. Some of you are feeling fire in your heart, your literal heart right now. Fresh fire, Jesus. Fresh fire. Come. Come, Jesus, more. We seek after all your gifts, Jesus. We seek after all of you, Lord. You are Lord and Savior. We want the more. We hunger for the more. Holy Spirit, come with power, with signs and wonders, Jesus. Pour. Yes. Yes, Jesus. Come, just wait. Just wait upon him. Begin to cry out in your own way. In your own way, just begin to bless the Lord. We thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We want more. 
and I believe the Lord wants to do more. This is turning into a full-blown worship, Holy Spirit expression here, all right? I believe he wants to do more. We're gonna ask our prayer team to come up right now. They're gonna be standing in the entire front. Listen, whether you want prayer by them or laying on the hands by then, or you just need to step out and get a little uncomfortable today, this altar is gonna be open. And I believe this, maybe you started to experience a little bit. Maybe you've received the fullness of the infilling of the Holy Spirit already. If you want more, more of whatever it is that you're asking the Lord for, whatever that is, we want you to come up and just begin to give yourself. And I'm telling you what, He will not disappoint. He will not let you down. He will not leave you, abandon you, or leave you forsaken or forgotten about. He loves you. He is in love with you. He adores you. He not only loves you, He likes you. The Father in heaven likes you. So if you want the baptism of the Holy Spirit, if you need healing in your body, if you want a gift of the Spirit, if you need prayer for anything in your life, we want you to come up. But if you just want more infilling, wherever that is in your life, wherever you are, if you want the more, if you want more infilling, we want you to come up right now. We're gonna give you time right now.